two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve. I'm on my phone in the Journal Star office. I've got a map behind me that was printed in approximately 1957. Um, Stipple was born in approximately 1957. Um, 66 46 1932 1912 he's 108 years old i was um, i was booking our i was booking our flights for columbus since the nebraska university of nebraska football team plays a football game 10 days from now and uh yeah i was talking to simple because you know you gotta put in all the passenger information i asked him for his birthday and he told me and he said you know 1966 and i said 1946 <laughs> <laughs> i hey can i say something yes i feel like these old jokes have started a little early i'm, I'm 54 i mean it's, is that really that old no you're young yeah. as well, but you're but you're adult is the issue i think yeah faculties the, are failing the, a little the faculties bit. are failing a little and you're a little adult so <laughs> it makes you appear older than you actually are Hey, well, you just li- you've just lived a lot of life in your 54 years. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you've done a lot of living. <laughs> yeah. In the last six yeah. months, I've done a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's yeah. uh, start talking about sports. And that, yeah, on that note, let's get into, let's get into some football talk. We had a pretty meaty uh, Zoom conference with Scott Frost and the boys yesterday. Um, Scott was asked about uh, the quarterback race. We're going to hear a lot about that over the next 10 days. We've heard a lot about it already. And, and Scott wouldn't really pin it down definitively as to, as to who was the top guy. He said it's still an open competition and, and it's, it's going to remain that way for a while. I guess just your, your guys' takeaways from what Scott said about the, the quarterback competition. Parker, what did you ask him? What was the question that got into it? I asked him, I said, Matt, Lubick, the offensive coordinator, a couple of weeks ago said that Adrian was the starter, but that there was an ongoing evaluation happening still of both guys. And I just asked him if, so with that, like, do you have a clear pecking order at quarterback? And he said, no, I don't think it is clear. And that, I mean, we've heard, um, you know, all through camp from players and coaches and just from you know, asking around and people talking and all of that, that, that Luke McCaffrey has been really impressive, um, you know, all summer. And as, as Nebraska's, you know, didn't know if they were going to play or not and then getting ready to play and being really impressive is different than legitimately challenging for the starting job, or it can be different, but um, obviously, I mean, I take Frost at his word on that simple that, um, that they could start, you know, either guy. Um, and it's an interesting conversation, which we'll get into because McCaffrey is such a talented athlete overall. Yeah. Well, you asked, I mean, it's a good question to put it that way. Is there a clear pecking order? I mean, he's got to answer it. Um, and his answer I thought was revealing. I, I, I've told you in the last couple of days, I felt going into yesterday's zoom session, my sense is that there was a, a bit of a battle. Yesterday, Thursday, the Zoom session, I, it just Tuesday, really... Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Yesterday, Tuesday. Sorry, addled faculties. Addled. As we were saying. Yeah. Um, Tuesday basically s- swung the conversation for me in the direction of, yeah, there's a, there's a competition. I thought it was really a revelation, to be honest. The whole, the whole conversation between what Frost 
said what Austin Allen said. Go ahead, Parker. I know what you're going to say. I thought the quote of the fall was what Frost said when he was asked about is McCaffrey playing another position? Is, or do you have him playing anything else? Yeah. And what did McCaff Frost say, Parker? And Frost said, he said, I want to make it clear that McCaffrey's a quarterback. And then I thought the most, yeah, like you say, I mean, maybe the single most interesting thing he said was right now we move the ball exceptionally well when Luke is playing quarterback and he just finds a way to make plays work. And I mean, that. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that there's, Come on. there's Come something on. to that, right? I mean, that's, you don't talk in those terms 10 days before your season starts if there's not something to that, right? I mean, that's, um, and, and that's what we've heard about McCaffrey. And I think sometimes like the pandemic has something to do with this, but a lot of times, like one of the things that is hard to put into perspective is the last time we saw, you know, Luke McCaffrey on the field, he was, well, in November, by then he was, you know, 10 months in to his college career. He'd been in the program for, 10 months and he'd had one off season, but think about it. I mean, he's since the last time we saw Luke McCaffrey on the field, he has more than doubled the amount of days that he's been a Nebraska football player. And then on top of that, when you consider that he really only played quarterback full-time his senior year of high school, and then he got here and they started working on his mechanics and all of that with, with Mario Verdusco, like he is, potentially a significantly different player than he was in November last year. Now, the same can be true of Adrian Martinez. Obviously, the longer you're in a program, the less like marginal gain each, each month is. You can get a lot better from your junior year to your senior year of whatever or whatever. But like McCaffrey, you know, he, he's got more than twice as much time in the program now as he did certainly, you know, during camp last year. And so, it's just, and I don't mean to sit here and say that I think he's going to start. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But um, I think one thing I've been asked a lot is if I think that this is because Adrian's not doing something uh, necessary to win the job or if it's because McCaffrey is really that good. And I guess I would lean without having seen a minute of football, obviously. So you're just going off of what people say. But I think I would lean toward this being more McCaffrey making a hard charge than Martinez having done something wrong or not accomplished something. Here's the deal. I mean, I'm just going to take the 30,000-foot view, okay? Adrian is in a tough spot because Nebraska finished 5-7 and seven last year, okay? And a lot of people, what do they do? A lot of the blame – naturally gets put on a quarterback. Yeah. Adrian really by any objective of any objective viewpoint, you would say took a step back as a quarterback now, for whatever reason. Now there's, it's a complicated discussion because they weren't very good at receiver. Um, the running back didn't get good until, you know, midway through the season or so. And he struggled up front early in the season too. Yeah. That's, and there, he was was, hurt. there was, he was hurt there was, there was year. snaps sailing over his head. Yeah, and he was uh, hurt, like Baz said. And he was hurt, yeah. like, in the preseason. Yeah. Right. So, now, getting back to the big picture, though, he's in a tough spot because the team was disappointing. He's the starter. And what always happens with the backup? I mean, everybody loves a damn backup. And, actually, McCaffrey was pretty good. I mean, in the Indiana game, he engineered 
three touchdown drives and five in five possessions. That's pretty good. He, he came in against Iowa, made a one read pass down the field, uh, went for a touchdown and everybody went nuts. Um, you know, now, so he's got a great advantage in the fans eyes. Right. Um, and then the other thing is we don't see any practice. So people understand that we don't see anything. And you know what? I don't think a lot of people are seeing much in practice. Not we don't even year. have a lot of commentary from people outside the program right now because not many because the pandemic has limited the amount of people. So I don't know. The conversation's really you got to really be careful with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, for sure. One of the things, and like you say, I thought that sometimes when you are making a list of the questions that you're going to ask, or you just want to sort of make sure get asked or whatever, there's certain things like, you know, how people are going to answer, or you have a pretty good idea. I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what Frost was going to say to a quarterback question yesterday, but I was surprised, I guess, at the, at how open he left it. However, you know, if you go back to last week, Mario Verduzco talked about Luke McCaffrey getting, I think he said a boatload of reps, both with the ones and the twos. And I thought that Adrian Martinez in particular sounded like a guy who felt like he had a good challenger standing next to him at practice. I mean, he talked very openly about how McCaffrey was pushing him and how it was a friendly competition and he loved it and the best guy was going to play. And that's what they told him when he was recruited. And that's the same case every, every year. And so like, I don't think that this challenge is news to the people inside the locker room like that. I don't think this just popped up out of nowhere. Like these guys have been seeing this now for weeks, if not months. Um, But the other thing it's, it's related, but it's, it's slightly different. Simple. I was, I thought today about that great uh, quote that Frost, the thing that Frost said to you this spring about McCaffrey, um, which is if you, what, what did he say that he told Luke this spring? If you run four, nine and you're not the starting quarterback, people want you on the bench. But if you run four, four, nine, they want you to play receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's a great, I mean, I thought that, that was like extremely, I thought that was spot on from Frost and it speaks a little bit to the layers of the challenge here, right? Of like, we know that Nebraska thinks Luke McCaffrey could be a good wide receiver. We know that they're adamant that he's playing quarterback and he is a quarterback, but the conversation, like in a way, the competition has to be as simple as who's the best quarterback. That's really the only fair way to make your decision. But there is some gray area in the sense of like, if Adrian is the starter, McCaffrey's value doesn't go to zero or it doesn't just go to wherever the level of the value of a backup quarterback is because you can still use him in other ways. So that temptation is going to be there to say like, how do we squeeze the most juice out of two of the most talented guys on our roster? As thoughts yeah it's, it's well yeah it's it's easy you know we like like parker just said with with luke playing with receiver you know there's value there where's the value in adrian if if luke is indeed the starter he hasn't played receiver here or tight end or wherever you would put him you know so it's 
it's two, I think, different discussions about that, you know, and it's, 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 you get that, you get that itch scratch there, Sip. I was hoping you would, we were looking elsewhere. Yes. No, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating. It, it really is. Like this game was already fascinating for any number of reasons, but you know, what do they rotate? Like, do they get to the first game and we get to that first depth chart whenever it comes out Monday or Tuesday or whatever. And, or maybe not. Or maybe not. Maybe they don't release a depth chart. Yeah. Or, Luke or, yeah, or there's, or Adrian or there's a big, yeah, or there's a big or there in capital letters between those two guys when it comes out. You know, it's there's there's fascination in that part of, it. And, and then there's fascination of, well, what happens if it if it for example is Luke and they get in a game and things get weird, you know, and, and things are going a little haywire. Do you do you go to the guy then that started 21 games and all of a yeah, sudden, good point. You, good you know, point. You, you really do have a quarterback issue on your hands. You know, Luke, we can say what we want about Adrian and, and people have, but started 21 games of Division One football. He, he's played at a high level. There, there's no substitute for that. And yes, Luke has come in and move the ball against Indiana's defense. And he's, he's done some things against some other teams from different positions, but man, there's no substitute for experience. And it's not like Adrian all of a sudden forgot how to be a great athlete. You know, by all accounts, he's as healthy as he's ever been. He should have better weapons around him. All those things that we talked about, you know, and if he gets to that first game and he's healthy and, and he's had a competition and he has something to prove, you know, uh, to me, it maybe becomes a little more clear then. I think in, in my mind, and I'm, obviously I'm not the coach, but you, you have to go with the guy that, that's played, right? You have to go with the guy that started 21 games. Everything else being equal from athleticism, weapons around mm -hmm. to whatever mm -hmm. else it may be, mm -hmm. you have to go with the guy with the experience, I would think. And then there's a well, – well, simple, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Parker. Well, I was just no, going to say – No, you. Like, no, you. No, no, you. No, no, you go ahead. Um, I was going to say – Part of, the, part of the issue, though, is like, okay, so you want to use Luke McCaffrey regardless of whether he's starting. That's great. But Adrian Martinez has missed games each of the past two years with injury issues. You know it's Nebraska. It's, it's a Scott Frost offense. The quarterback is going to be asked to run the ball quite a bit. I mean, well, the quarterback carried the ball 200 times last year for Nebraska, I think, overall. And so how, how many snaps per game can you really – put Luke McCaffrey at wide receiver or running back or in the slot or whatever, like, because there's injury risk there too, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. the yeah, more good you have, the more you, you sit and look across the middle and run into a, you know, a, a safety crashing down on a crossing route right. or whatever. Exactly. I mean, there's not, I mean, fo there, football has inherent injury risk, obviously, but you don't have the, you know, cool handed veteran Noah Vedral around to steer you through a game if you go to number three it's a super talented kid Logan's mother's really talented by all accounts um but it's a true freshman that's your only other scholarship option and so I that's why they get paid the big bucks man to figure out how to I mean you're trying to win games right you want to put your best players on the field you want to try to figure out how to win games but you don't have the the depth in numbers scholarship wise at quarterback that you had last year um your number three guys uh, is a rookie. He's not a he's not a you know a guy who's played in this offense for three years like Noah Vedra was. So think about so, it. Yeah, no, you got a good point. It's a really good. See, here's what happens in these discussions about quarterback situations. There's so many hypotheticals, but the one hypothetical that 
you have to consider if you're Frost and Mario Verdusco and Matt Lubick, is just what you said. Think about this. Think if they go with Adrian, they have McCaffrey playing a lot of receiver, and he does get popped and goes down and is can't play. And, and Adrian gets popped and goes down and can't play. Man, I mean, Frost at that point is going to be the subject of intense fan vitriol. Like you have messed this up completely. Now you're playing a freshman and all you have is big 10 opponents. Um, and at the, I, right, but at the same time, like you're going to, so you're going to not put one of your best athletes on the field against Ohio I, state. I don't trying know. To pull off an upset. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's really a fabulous discussion. I think we see them both. I think we see them both against Ohio state. And, and I know people hate that Scott Frost. Yeah. Quarterback and, and Scott Frost hates that, but, God, I mean, if it's this close, are you really going to – is it really going to be that much more separation 10 days from now than there is right now? If it's, it's, they did it against it's Iowa. Yeah, we yeah. have evidence I mean, they did it, yeah. Hell, so, in the last series they did it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Put a, that's what I said. Yeah. out in the last series against Iowa, so. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe they, they maybe they each get a series. Maybe they rotate on the same series. Maybe, maybe they got something cooked up that we haven't even thought about yet to, to have them both on the field in a position to play quarterback, you know, at the same time or whatever. I mean, who knows what it's going to look like. Well, remember, hey, Bass, you're old enough. I don't know if Parker's old enough. Do you remember when Spurrier was literally changing quarterbacks within a series? Yeah. Fun and gun? Yeah. Yeah. He was going – Parker, he was changing within a series during the season. I know. I don't know if you'd do that, but you could, you know. Why couldn't you? Why – you know, I mean – who knows? That's that's just it. Who knows what it's going to look like? There's all kinds of – I mean, one of the things that you see so much now, and we talk about this with tight ends that are athletic or running backs that are really talented receivers, and it's become more and more integral to the game, particularly I think in the NFL, but positional versatility is really beneficial because you can just match – you know, you, the, the defense, especially when you can go without a huddle and you can keep a defense in one personnel group for a whole series, as long as the offense doesn't substitute, I mean, you can basically put a personnel group on the field and see how the defense has to show its cards in terms of like how it wants to account for the players the offense has on the field. Are you going to play base? Or are you going to play nickel? Are you going to use an extra defensive back against a tight end? Uh, that can also block all these sorts of things are matchup games, right? Like you put two running backs in the game. Do you want to, um, you know, play base, but what if those guys are both out now you've got them on linebackers, that sort of thing. So like the, you can have that conversation about having two guys that are quarterbacks on the field too. Um, you know, maybe they, or maybe they just run McCaffrey in and see if Ohio state changes their look. Right. I mean, you, there's a lot of, cat and mouse and there's a lot of chess that you can play in this situation but what you don't want to do and and this is why Mario Verduzco and Scott Frost have said on the record in 2018 talked about not wanting to play two guys because why would you Frost said I played quarterback I, I didn't want to be in and out of a game in and out of rhythm that sort of thing and so you just have to maybe these guys maybe that doesn't bother them maybe they said hey I'm I feel the same, even if I'm, if I'm not on the field for one series, you know, I don't, but time will tell because game action's coming. You know what? Yeah. 
if nothing else, this is a wonderful discussion for to take people's mind off the pandemic. They can have it and they're, you know, they can talk about this. It's something to we talk can talk about. about the doom at the quarterback position instead of the doom in our everyday lives. You're it's right. not doom. <laughs> we just talked about a guy getting hurt for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> it doesn't it's, have to be doom. It's fantastic oh. water cooler talk, except for that we can't actually go to the water cooler because now we each <laughs> yeah. have individual water bottles in our own work areas rather than having a common yeah. water cooler. So. Unfortunately, quick interjection. Did you guys see the, the college game? I think it was the Georgia game where the dude just shot the, the opposing guy with his water bottle and got the unsportsmanlike penalty. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I did not see that. What happened? Was, like, uh, whoever Georgia was playing, the guy like ran out of bounds on the Georgia sideline, was on the ground, and you just see the dude that he just like takes his water bottle and so, like in slow motion, he's just squirting water onto the dude's back as he's laying there. <laughs> what, what, what would lead you to do such a thing? I mean, that's a I, little odd. But Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart got asked about it after the game, and you could tell he's just like so incredulous. And he said something like, "I don't. This isn't an exact quote, but he said something along the lines of like, I mean, we just need to try to be adults.'" <laughs> yeah, that's a very odd. Isn't move. that the for, truth, for a Kirby? child? That's an odd move. Yeah. Uh, what What else yesterday kind of struck you guys uh, from frost from frost availability from what you heard from the players? Oh, the Omar Manning discussion is very, I mean, it's, people really wonder about what's going to happen with Omar Manning because, because he's Omar Manning, six foot four and 225. They haven't had a receiver like that for a while. He's, you know, he's highly touted. Now, Frost said he's been in and out of practices for health and personal reasons. That doesn't sound great. Um, you know, I mean, you want to, you want the kid to be okay, number one, and you wanted want him to be okay enough to play against Ohio State, number two. I think Parker and I agree. I now I, I'll just say, um, from my standpoint, I don't think we'll see him against Ohio State. I don't have, I don't know that, but that's, I would say that's an educated guess. I don't think we'll see him against Ohio State. I think yeah. we could see him in uniform. I just don't think we'll see him in action. Yeah, one of the things that Frost said yesterday was, and, and he sort of cloaked it a little bit because he mentioned a couple other guys that have been in and out a little bit and Wando Robinson and Alante Brown, minor injury stuff. And he said, you know, pretty soon, like with all positions, we have to figure out who, who we think is going to be available for, for Ohio State and, and sort of dial it in from there. I don't know, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be available or not. I wouldn't be surprised um, if he makes the trip. I think any conversation about whether he plays this year at all or not is probably premature. Um, you know, it's it's clear, obviously, that he's, he's missed some time. Frost has said that. Um, I don't know what it's worth at all, but today on social media, he posted something quick. and He was in Nebraska's locker room. Um, looked like he was working out. So he's around. Working out? Yeah. He's, so, you know, he's around. Iron. Uh, what? <laughs> Pump a little iron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, um, and, and we talked about this, Sipple. I mean, there's, it's, it's two conversations, right? I mean, Frost said he hopes that, that, you know, Omar can be, the sort of consistent presence that they, that they want him to be and that they're counting on him to be. And, and that's obviously what's best for Nebraska. And then there's also the question of like, what does Omar Manning think is best for Omar Manning? Right. And mm -hmm. yeah, we don't really know that. I mean, not only have we not talked to him, of course, like 
in the past few weeks, but he really, he's a really uh, media averse. He's, I don't know that he's ever done an interview, certainly not since he signed uh, or around the time he signed with Nebraska. So we don't really know. Um, we don't know what exactly he's dealing with injury wise. We certainly don't know, um, you know, if, if what he's dealing with uh, that would count under the personal issues that, that Frost mentioned. And so I think it's in those type of situations. I mean, I don't mind having the conversation of like, it's getting kind of close to determine whether he's going to play against Ohio state or not. But beyond that, it just is sort of like, it's really not anybody's business what he's going through in his own life, you know, and it's his decision to make. And of course people are passionate about football and they want to know and all of that, but like, it'll work itself out. That's how I look at it. Like if he was very to- magnanimous, that's very magnanimous. And I, I agree. Um, but you know, there is a need, there's a want to know in part course, because yeah, I understand that, yeah. the conversation to very crude terms. They need to get better at receiver. I mean, right. They weren't a good receiving core last year. In my opinion, I just didn't think they're very good. I mean, Wandale is a good one, um, but they're, they're undersized, not particularly fast. And, you know, they didn't, block well. they didn't block well either. I mean, they, they didn't, didn't block consistently. Perimeter blocking wasn't great. Um, so that group needs to be in, I think a lot better. Right. And Omar Manning would be part of that discussion. There's new guys though. I mean, and I, I would never, I'll tell you what I don't want to do is gloss over Wandale Robinson. He's a player. He'll put the team on his back if, if you ask him to. Um, so he's not, he was not disappointing. Um, Spielman was okay. Um, but I mean, they just, they needed size and they needed more guys. They need size and depth. And we'll see if that's the case this year. It's interesting. Is that fair? Yeah, that, that's totally fair. I mean, I, there's a lot of guys. That, you know, I think that the clean slate thing is really evident in the receiver room this year, I think. I mean, it, it's a lot of new guys for sure. And there's some opportunity created by Omar Manning being in and out, certainly by even if it's two days or whatever, you know, Wondell Robinson or Alante Brown missing time. Marcus Fleming's been in and out a little bit, um, you know, so so some of that creates opportunity. But it's interesting to hear the names of guys that you really never heard about before this year. Um, walk-ons like Wyatt Lever uh, from O'Neill, um, like Bennett Folkers. Um, you know, there's this, it really is, it seems like it's a, a true clean, clean slate and guys sort of, you know, trying to figure out uh, ways that they can get on the field and what role they can serve. And so it's, um, it's going to be super interesting, I think, to see what that, too deep looks like. And I would say while we're not, while we're making a point to not gloss over people, don't gloss over Chris Hickman either. Thank I mean, you. He's a Thank big physical yes. kid, versatile skill set, uh, obviously long. I'm interested to see what he looks like if they're asking him to run all or most of the route tree, just because we haven't, that's a part of his game we haven't seen yet at the college level. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's redshirt freshmen that went from the coaching staff unanimously thinking he was nowhere near physically ready to play to being a guy that they were confident in taking on 300 pound defensive linemen by the end of the season. So, I mean, there's a guy who's going to be involved too. Along with Levi Falk, that is the name. I mean, I can almost guarantee you that the South Dakota graduate transfer will be a a part of the rotation, if not a starter at Ohio state. Um, 
I'd say why, Levi Falk is going to be prominent in the equation. It's a name probably a lot of Nebraska fans know already. If you don't, you'll know him soon enough. So then the conversation you is know, you're going to know. You're going to know. Yeah. The, um, you know, the, I think that it's not when you really boil it down, then it's not that hard to start figuring out what the group of maybe like five or six guys looks like. Right. I mean, Wando Robinson, Alante Brown, Cade Warner, Levi Falk, Chris Hickman, there's five. And then there's a couple guys that we don't know quite as much about. We don't know quite as much about Wyatt Lever. We don't know quite as much about Marcus Fleming at this point. Don't know quite as much about Xavier Betts at this point. Um, but that's sort of like your maybe five. And then there's guys that we've heard less about, but you figure that maybe they can get themselves involved in some way. And then, you know, Omar Manning is sort of the wild card at this point. Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting because I go back to the quote from Travis Fisher a couple of weeks ago, and he said they were they might be eight or nine deep at receiver, and, and he, he's the guy that's got to have his guys defending those guys every week. And we just rattle off a bunch of guys, and who knows how much of that is, is just coach talk, coach speak, trying to pump those guys up a little bit. But, yeah, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me like this game gets more interesting the closer we get to it, right? Because it seems like there's there's very few unknowns that are becoming known. Like – we don't know who the starting quarterback is. We don't know who the receivers are going to be. We don't know who Dedrick Mills' backup is going to be. We don't know what the defense, how the defense is going to play. You know, it's, it was already interesting for, you know, again, like a million different reasons, but it seems like none of that, those questions are really getting answered. It, se- it seems like there's just more, there's more that we need to, to see and more that we're going to figure out and maybe won't figure out until, you know, the offense takes the field for the first time. So I thought that's just kind of an interesting maybe piece to this whole thing too, is there still There's a, a question. Just don't know. Yeah. That was a, that was a proposed, uh, that's a proposed budget line of mine for the weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was wondering why you were smiling yeah. there. One week before the season, like what questions do we know the answer to that we went into the uh, uh, 10 month off season or 11 month off season? Like, what do we know the answer to? Virtually nothing. Here's Virtually a question. Nothing. Here's a question. This is not, I don't know if this gets talked about this all that much, but it, it, it's in the back of my brain a lot. I wonder if Frosty's going to come downhill at teams more. I mean, they have, I just wonder if that's what we're going to see because they have the big back. They have an experienced line with guys that can run block. Um, they have the tight ends. If you have you tight, ends, tight ends, yeah, yeah, four, yeah, if four. It, yeah. You go double tights, and 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 rum. I mean, I watched that Wisconsin game again last uh, on Sunday. I watched Nebraska Wisconsin, Wisconsin, just to, for for whatever reason. Well, I wanted to watch Mills a little bit. I just found myself watching the whole game. They ran the ball really well, and I just wonder with that line, which is is perceived as a strength the tight end room growing and, and now with these veteran tight ends and with a veteran back, I wonder if it's going to look a little different. You know, if, well, not- if, you're, if you're, if you're trying to keep your quarterback healthy too, right. You keep them a lot Absolutely. healthier to turn around and hand it off 30 times a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't know what it, what it would look like. I mean, they're always yeah. in the shotgun and yeah. Um, yeah yeah when you say power that includes quarterback power too yes it does it does it might include a little quarterback option yeah um but yeah just a little more maybe a little more running or a lot more running that's what i'm interested to see 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There's two, I think there's two things that sort of pop into my mind on that. The other thing is if you don't have an overwhelming set of receivers, I mean, what's one way to create space to make defenses respect the run, right? I mean, whether you're talking action. about yeah, whether you're talking about play action uh, or sort of like, I mean, look at what Kurt Soraka and, the, and Minnesota did. They you can what the first play you think of with Minnesota is that RPO where they stick it in the running back's gut and they run the slant across the middle. And now Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson are really good, which is part of the reason why they had so much success on that. But you don't have to be Calvin Johnson to be an effective receiver. I mean, you can and, yeah. and coordinators and play callers can help their guys get open by putting them in, you know, those type of situations where they have favorable matchups. And the other thing I think back to and I'm a little bit surprised. I think it's largely personnel dictated, but you know, we talk about the spread offense and the, you know, the up tempo stuff and all of that the past couple of years. I mean, Chip Kelly, all four years Chip was at Oregon. Oregon was 60% run or more. Yeah. 60 to 63% run all four years. You can't, it's not like you can't do it. Um, you can yeah. be an explosive high scoring offense and be majority run. I mean, that's not what the analytics gurus will say necessarily that you know, running the ball a lot is, is, you know, the most efficient way to do it. But at the college level, you can do it, you know, you can be really dangerous offensively and be, and be, you know, majority run or run heavy. Ever hear a Royce Freeman? <laughs> Simple second favorite running back of all time, just after Derrick Henry. <laughs> how, about, how about Derek's? How about Henry Stiffarm last night? Sip, let's get your thoughts on that real quick. Oh, God. Was that Josh Norman? Oh, that, oh He's yeah. got to retire. Josh Norman has to retire. Yeah, that was a little embarrassing um, for, the, for the defensive back who had a – it looked like he had a sort of a bad angle. And Norman just grabbed his shoulder pads and flung him. He had a bad angle in the sense that he was trying to tackle Derrick Henry. That was his bad <laughs> angle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Henry um, – I don't know what to say about that play. Um, it's. A I would have liked to have seen your reaction to that in real time. Yeah, like I know. The first time you saw that. I was thinking like that must have just been like a visceral reaction. <laughs> it, it you, just ran, you just ran outside and were like firing a gun into the air or something. Just like <laughs> celebrate it. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Um, I, uh, <laughs> but no, it was a, it was a power move for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to get off track there. The big horse. Yeah. Then I looked at some NFL running back rankings right after that. And I was amazed by, like, I saw NFL.com had him ranked Derrick Henry, like, number six. Like, like what? I'm like, what is – what am I missing here? Nick Chubb is better than Derrick Henry? No. 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 I'd but, take Derrick I mean, Henry over anybody, including McCaffrey. I'd take Derrick Henry over anybody. I'm, I was amazed that he was number six. They must have missed the game in Foxborough last year when he took it over and beat the Patriots – Almost by himself. Um, all right, that's enough. Of that. Almost by Grandpa's, himself. Grandpa's yes. gone off on the big horse. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing night. Oh, it was Fox. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. You remember because you were there. <laughs> it was beautiful. I've never been so happy in my life as the day the yeah. big horse ran over the Patriots. That crisp yeah. New England air and, and Derek Henry running <laughs> over the Patriots. We all remember that day. <laughs> At Foxborough. At Foxborough. <laughs> Isn't it Gillette Stadium? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, Gillette. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Baz, um, so you're going to be covering hoops over the Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, we got some hoops. Um, 
Fred Horberg, we it was a pretty meaty day. It was a real content bonanza yesterday out of Nebraska Once. Athletics. We got uh, we got the head ball coach, we got the head basketball coach, we got uh, some we got we got Big France Ivan Way Drago, and we got some some Delano Banton as well. Yeah, Fred. Fred talked for a good 20, 25 minutes uh, about a number of topics. And one of those being the, the potential uh, multi-team event MTE as is the, the parlance in the industry. Um, didn't really say a whole lot in the way of confirming for sure that it was going to happen. Unlike Oklahoma state, which is like releasing very intimate details about how it plans to travel to the game and, and things like that. But he, he made it sound like it's going to happen. And the, I guess the, the big thing that Fred said about it was they, they're waiting on the Big Ten to see what the Big Ten is going to do with its schedule. And a lot of what Nebraska – all of what Nebraska does will depend on what the Big Ten says it can do. But, but in the meantime, Fred said, they're, they're trying to get ahead of everything. And they want to have an MTV, M, MTV, MTE in place in case they can play these games. Because the NCAA said this year, if you, if you have an MTE – you can play 27 games. If you don't, you can only play 25. And Fred Hoiberg said yesterday, we're, we're planning to pl- start our season on November 25th, which is the first day you can play. And we're planning to play 27 games, which means you're planning to have an MTE. So again, it's fun. We've seen that we've seen uh, the different teams kind of surfacing over the, over the last couple of weeks here. St. Louis was the most recent team that, that hmm, was kind of really? added to the list. And that's another quality team. They're going to be a favorite in the A-10 this year. Um, and, and so I think that makes 11 teams now, including Nebraska. They want to try and get to 16 if they can. So it's, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to, to look at all these different teams that could become an LSU, Oklahoma State with maybe the best player in the country in Cade Cunningham, Nebraska, revamp Nebraska team, Colorado State, you know, Northern Iowa. A lot of, a lot of really good teams potentially, but you have to keep in mind too that, that this is still a – excuse me, this is still a may or may not happen deal. The, the, the gist right now is that Nebraska wants to have this done in case they can have it. And – it's all going to depend on what the Big Ten says. The Big Ten doesn't appear to be close to making a decision. Fred Hoiberg had a classic quote yesterday. I don't think he meant to do it, but he said he was talking about the Big Ten, you know, and the coaches get together on conference calls. And he said, you know, there's a lot of subcommittees. <laughs> and I kind of laugh at that because that's very Big Ten to have a lot of different subcommittees to, to decide how we're going to schedule basketball. So, yeah, it's, I, I think at the end of the day, something's going to happen. You know, the Big Ten wants to showcase its product and Nebraska's putting together a strong field. And how if you're the Big Ten, are you going to let Michigan State, for example, go play in the MTE, but you're not going to let Nebraska host an MTE. And so it's it, it's interesting in a lot of ways, that being one of them. If you play a, a 20 game conference schedule, what does that look like? That gives you seven non-conference games. Does Nebraska still play Creighton? Uh, that game, I think the coaches want that game to be played, but it hasn't been decided yet. You've got an ACC Big Ten game. You've got to fit in there. Then you've got potentially three games in an MTE, and maybe a couple more of those teams stick around, and you play two more games out of that deal after the MTV is over. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting. Fred kind of said a lot without really saying a lot, if that makes sense, just because he, he didn't he didn't come out and say, yeah, absolutely, we're playing this. But he also didn't shut it down either. So there's certainly – it's certainly in the works. And, again, it's just going to come down to what the Big Ten says as far as what it may end up looking like. So revisit, Baz, what it would look like. It's If you're talking about 16 teams, 
how many gyms, I mean, where do you, how's it going to come off uh, logistically? Yeah, I think, I think the way it's evolved now is it, it's mostly going to take place uh, in PBA and you're probably going to, I don't know if you'll have a 16 team bracket or if you'll have two 18 brackets, you know, if, if, if you do, two 18 brackets, how do you divide it up? You know, if you do it that way, then at least three, each team's getting three games guaranteed, you know, and, and as I mentioned, do you have do those teams stick around after the, the bracket part of it is over and just play a couple non-conference games against each other? Do you get Devaney involved with this, the Devaney center involved with not Bob Devaney, uh, that would be impossible at this point, but the Devaney center involved with this with playing some games. How does, how does practice space get divided up and practice time get divvied up? So it's, it's, you kind of have some kind of rough framework for what you think it might look like. I think we kind of maybe got another hint towards that when we, we when we heard yesterday that PBA is going to open the doors for fans to watch the football game uh, on the big screen. Um, I think that what that tells me is if, if they can do it, they're going to have fans at these games, whatever that ends up looking like, whether it's a, a limited number or, you know, that in, you know, 10,000 or whatever, whatever it end up maybe in 5,000 or whatever. So that's another piece of it. You have to consider there, there's so it's, there's so many details that I think still have, has to be worked out. But for right now, we know that the teams Nebraska is getting for the most part are going to be pretty, pretty quality teams. And it's, it just basically comes down to the Big Ten saying, giving Nebraska the go sign, if they can do this or not. And other teams, there are other teams considering multi-team events in the Big Ten. I think I re- read that you said Illinois maybe is considering one. Who else? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's about everybody right now, Sip. I do. Oh, really? Because, really? Yeah, in some way or another, whether, whether you know, that's Illinois hosting – you know, four teams or Rutgers hosting four teams or, or whatever it will be. If, if you want to play 27 games, you've got to have an MTE and whether that means you go to Orlando and playing one in a bubble down there, or you host one on your campus, you're going to find a way to do it, you know, and there's a lot of good teams in the big 10. We know that it's going to be a bear again this year and it's going to be deep and you're going to be playing for, in a lot of cases, if, if the big 10, says we're playing 20 games in our in our conference schedule that means you've got to have seven quality non-conference games if you're the big 10 for for seeding purposes you know indiana needs that rutgers needs that illinois needs that iowa needs you know uh michigan state certainly michigan need all those teams need that so whether it comes down to you're playing at somebody else's mte in in orlando or you're hosting one on your campus or whatever it may be i think you're going to see about every team in the big 10 in some way, shape, or form, have something like that so they can all get to 27 games. Okay. Well, that's uh, – I mean, let's think about it. Over the If that's over the Thanksgiving weekend, that's Iowa. You know, Nebraska's going to go play Iowa. Um, we got to start thinking about staffing issues. No, it's – we laugh, but seriously. like That's a lot going on. That's Nebraska could be looking at playing 25th, 26th, 27th, maybe the 28th, 29th, or maybe you throw a day off in there and then you get back at it the 29th. Like, yeah, and, and you're also going to have Nebraska Iowa that weekend. You're, you could have a, you're going to have your potential, you know, ninth Big Ten game uh, a couple weekends after that. So yeah, there's staffing issues. We laugh, but but this is this is a deal. And if Nebraska's playing LSU the day after Thanksgiving, and uh-huh. Nebraska's playing. Iowa the day after Thanksgiving, that's that's a pretty big day on the sports calendar for Lincoln. That is. It really is. LSU being a top 25 team. 
Yeah, yeah. And, play, and, and Nebraska being a lot better. Let's not forget about that. We, we talk about the scheduling stuff, but Fred, Fred likes this group. You know, they're, they're, they're taller, they're bigger, they're more athletic, they're deeper. They got Trey McGowan's eligible, which is a, a huge boon for that roster. It gives them a lot of flexibility. So Nebraska's going to be a lot better too. So it's, it, it's kind of like football in the sense that we, we don't really know all that much more now than we did, you know, two months ago, but, but we have an idea of what might be coming. LSU's an abbreviation, so is FBI. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. That's true. That's, well, it's, I mean, I'm not making anything up here. So is FUBAR, SIP. FUBAR is an a, a, a abbreviation, too. So. Okay. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Because it'd be interesting yeah. Be interesting to have Will Wade and the boys in town. Yeah. You say his name again, please, for the record. Will Wade. Will, Will Wade. Wade. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's, I, don't I, mean, think, I don't think we will wade into that conversation right now. No, <laughs> we, we will not do that. <laughs> well, we did to a certain degree, but we, we will turn out of the water now. No, there, and there's a connection there. Will Wade and Matt abdel have a long relationship going back. I think that's a big part of why LSU is a part of this deal. You know? Okay. You know, and look, this All is right. a quality field. Like, San Francisco is good. St. Yeah. Louis is going to be good. Northern Iowa is going to be good. Um, yeah. Oklahoma State's going to be really good. It should be really good. So it's not like it's going to be Nebraska and a bunch of schmucks coming in here. It's if this if they pull this off and they get to 16, it's it's going to be probably the biggest event of its kind in the country in college basketball that opening weekend, and it's going to have probably the deepest field in the country. So it's going to be super interesting to see what Nebraska is able to do. Who is who's that Oklahoma State player you're talking about that's really good? Cade Cunningham, he's the, the top recruit in the country, um, signed with Oklahoma State. He's a one-and-done guy for sure. Um, and he's he's getting mentioned for, like, National Player of the Year talk. Like, he's that good. Point guard. But how big is he? Uh, he's a point guard? Big guard, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, yeah. Um, I don't know his exact measurements. Looks like Parker might be on the Google machine right now. Bought it. Looking it up. 6'7", so, I mean, like, 220. 6'7", guard. Guard. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Hello. Hello. Yeah, he's – Oh yeah, Sipple's interested. Sipple wants, Sip wants to see that horse kicking around in the paddock. That's for sure. No, his he's bro- his brother, older brother, Cannon or cousin, a relation of his is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. Yeah, Cannon yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a legit he's a legit player of the year candidate, like national player of the year candidate. And think about some of the guys on that discussion, Luca Garza, Io to some new, you know, guys at Baylor, Gonzaga, wherever he, and he's right there with, with any of them. So yeah, that's, that's just one more thing to kind of, kind of look at. You know what I always say about Garza though? I know he's not, he's not, he's not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's not Blue Magic Johnson. He's He's no no Magic Magic Johnson. Johnson. (laughs) So he can be player of the year. The, the standard caliber of your Naismith player of the year, Magic Johnson. Yeah, the, <laughs> one of the three best point guards to ever play the game. He's not that, so I don't know. I'm skeptical. <laughs> well, now, honestly, Garza wasn't highly thought of by the NBA guys. I mean, I think that's one reason he's back. So I'd say I was right. The Hubie Brown of Lincoln was dead on. on well, Garza. yeah, yeah, because college player of the year has a lot to do with how you're going to play in the <laughs> NBA. It's the exact same sport, so – they're they're both called as, basketball, I guess. As you're right near me right now, so. I'm gonna, I'll walk in there and fight you right now on the Zoom call. I'll do <laughs> There's, it. I know you. Know, one you of the fight. one of the many similarities between you and Hubie Brown. Hubie's 87. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not funny. Um, is Hubie 87 really? Hubie's had one foot in the grave for about two decades now. He's, think, but he's still he's, going. He's doing really well. Yeah. I was um I was flying back from from uh, San Francisco once. I was at the airport in San Francisco, and the USF basketball team, men's basketball team, was at my gate there on my flight, and I was like. Ooh. I was like, man, these guys, they look like they can play. So, of course, sitting at the gate, I pulled up Ken Palm, and I was like, oh, they're ranked like 40th or something in the country. And then I was watching them play in, in the NCAA tournament like two months later. I was like, I, I kind of had a I, – I was like – I got on the USF bandwagon then because uh, – Oh, they're that good? Yeah. They're really good, there. yeah. I mean, behind Gonzaga, they're probably the – Gonzaga and BYU, they're probably the number three team but in that I, conference. I think – didn't their coach go to uh, – they got a new coach, I think. I think their coach went to young Washington guy. State or something like that. Yeah, young guy, big and a big and yeah. Their their previous coach went to Washington State. Um, yeah. And the the guy they have now is a, a young guy who was an assistant somewhere or something. But you can't get inside of USF basketball insight just anywhere. Yeah, simple simple. Y'all know this. Who's the most famous USF uh, basketball alum? Um, that would be uh, the great Celtic. Come on, uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell is correct. Is a San Francisco Don. Yeah, I saw him play many times. Well, you're about the same age. Yeah, <laughs> right. so. I'm just better. Bill Russell up. also better than Luca Garza. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we've been going for about an hour. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Yeah, this is crazy. This, this is yeah. One hour is a little much. This is way too more. This is way more than what people want out of us. Oh, I don't know about that. We're but, like uh, we're like fifty minutes. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, I think we're good. All right. Good talk, fellas. Uh, yeah. Next week, next week will be a game week. We'll, we'll, we'll be breaking down some Ohio State. Maybe we'll have a little more clarity on the depth chart. We can yell at each other about how old Sipple is, and, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye.